0: For more presentations like this, visit www.xenos.org. So yeah, we've been in the book of John. Uh, We're going to be in chapter 15, talking about Jesus's allegory of the vine and the branches. This is all taking place in the last few hours of Jesus's earthly ministry. He's getting ready to go to the cross. He knows that things are going to change. The dynamic of his relationship with the disciples is going to change. And he's preparing them for what's going to happen and how to carry on the work. So it's a very concentrated, the stuff that he's going over with them, the stuff that he's teaching them is very potent, very powerful. He's giving them incredible lessons like what it is to be a spiritual leader is to be a servant of all. And he washes their feet. And we talked about that several weeks ago, how he sets the bar for there's no job that's, that's too low for a spiritual leader. Two weeks ago, we talked about how he was promising them that the helper, the Holy Spirit is gonna come, that there, he's bodily not going to be among them, but he's coming in another way that's gonna be even better because the Spirit of God is going to indwell them and empower them because he is going up on the cross. And then what we're looking at this morning as a discussion about what it means to be led by that power. To be guided by that power. To be fueled by that power. How to continue on in their spiritual growth. Um, that's where he's headed with this to help them prepare for what's about to happen. And so it brings us to a really important and really very fascinating question. How do I grow spiritually? You know, we have a sense, a natural sense, by looking at the world around us, you know, that we have to work at these things. We live in a world of entropy. Everything is breaking down. It takes effort to change. It takes effort to grow. There's a sense of being in this world that if you want to get somewhere or if you want to do something... You're swimming upstream. There's a constant sort of back current that we have to push against to have anything happen. We all understand in a lot of ways that you know, life is use it or lose it. You know, and there's all these different aspects, whether it's academia or athletics or whatever it is, there's this sense of you know, if you don't use something, it immediately begins to degrade. This happened to a friend of mine in high school. He was uh, scooping ice cream at, um, at Grader's for an entire summer, working like 40-hour shifts. And we were just like, looking at it, like, dude, scoop with the left every once in a while, you know? <laughs> this is like this, this sense of like, use it or lose it, right? That's, that's how the world works. Change takes a lot of work you have to work really hard for a little bit of improvement and then you have to maintain whatever improvement you get if you stop you start to slide backwards and this works in all kinds of things if you stop growing you stop working you move backwards a lot of us here used to speak a foreign language how can you used to speak a foreign language but no longer we didn't use it and we lost it right right a lot of us here used to play an instrument. I used to fit in this shirt that I'm wearing. <laughs> and then we got waffles. The point is, that's the, we sense that that's the way of the world, that that's the way that things work. And surely then, spiritual growth must work along a similar principle, right? So we get to our passage, John 15, 1 through 11, So neither can you unless you abide in me. Now this is deep and it's agricultural and it's a little bit confusing. What is it that he's saying here? He's using a different picture. It's not the entropy picture that we're used to. And we would ask ourselves, we would do well to ask ourselves, what is the command here? What is it that Jesus is telling them? Listen, if you want to grow spiritually, here's what you have to do. As my followers, you must bear much fruit. Isn't that what he's saying? No, that is not what he's saying. We're so wrapped up in this world of results. We're so wrapped up in this, uh, this concept of use it or lose it that we tend to read it into everything. But if we go back and we look at our passage, what is the command? Abide in me. The command is not to bear fruit. The command is to abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. Isn't that interesting? The work of spiritual growth, of moving forward, is something called abiding Let's keep reading. He says in five, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up and they gather them and cast them in the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me, my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciple." That word comes up again and again and again. Abide, abide, abide. Abide in me as I in you. Abide in me as I abide in the Father. That's what he's saying is the key here to spiritual growth is to abide in me. And then he uses this imagery of a vine, a grapevine. And, you know, so while a lot of us don't understand how that works. They would have understood it a lot better in their culture. They were an agrarian culture. And abide isn't really a word that we use a lot today. That's what a grapevine looks like. And what he's saying here is the vine dresser, the guy who's in charge of taking care of tending the garden, is the father. And the father's job, he says, is to prune the branches. And so these branches have these little shoots that come off called suckers. And if you want the The branch to produce the best kind of quality of fruit, you have to kind of eliminate the competition. Pull out the parts that aren't going to make fruit so that the vine doesn't spend its energy investing in other things than fruit. J.C. Laney, in his paper on uh, this passage, wrote that as the vine dresser cuts away what would hinder the productivity of the vine, So God the Father, through loving discipline, cleansing, purging, purifying, removes the things from the lives of believers that do not contribute to their spiritual fruitfulness. So this could be all kinds of things. This could be distractions. This could be character issues. This could be sin. This could be uh, obsessions, things that we are pouring ourselves into that are actually bad for us and getting in the way of growing spiritually. God lovingly, tends to us and cares for us and helps over a period of time to prune away these things but pruning doesn't sound being pruned doesn't sound like a particularly enjoyable experience you prune something by getting a knife and cutting away parts of it And that's what it feels like too. If you're into spiritual growth and you're into following God and you come into an aspect where God is pointing, he's kind of shining the spotlight on something in your life that's really holding you back, it's painful. But it is also in our best interest. It's an act of love to help us see the reality of the things that are holding us back from growing and maturing spiritually. And that's the role of God in this allegory that Jesus is using. So he prunes away all the suckers, all the little extra things. And then the vine, Jesus says, is him. He's the vine. Well, what is the vine? The vine is the base of the organism. The vine is the organism itself. It's the part that pulls up, draws up the nutrients from the ground, grows the branches, and sends the life that is needed for all of the organism to flourish and grow. The vine is the heart of what this is, and it provides everything that the branches need. The branches don't do anything really but receive what the vine gives them. And that's really the point of what Jesus is saying in this entire message, is your job if you want to grow spiritually is to receive from me. The branches, of course, are us. He says, I am the vine. You are the branches. The job of the branches are to be pruned, right? You don't put any effort as a branch into being pruned. (coughs) The vine dresser does all that. You withstand the pruning. You receive from the vine the sap that you need in order to grow. Your job really is just to hold on to the vine, just to not... Let go, to be a part of the vine, which is really what Jesus means by abiding. Your job is to be connected to me. And the result of being connected to me, he says, is always fruit. That's what's great about this is you bring forth, it is in the nature of a branch to bring forth fruit. And all a branch needs to do to bear fruit is abide in the vine very interesting. Then we have the part where the branches are cut away, the branches that don't bear fruit. That's disconcerting. We'll talk about that more in a minute. Andrew Murray, in his book on this called The True Vine, writes, the branch is a perfect likeness of the vine. The only difference is the one is great and strong and the source of strength, and the other little and feeble, ever needing and receiving strength. Even so, the believer is and is to be the perfect likeness of Christ. What a life would come to us if we only consented to be branches. Dear child of God, learn the lesson. And that's really, I think, a poignant way of putting this. If we look at this, we say, you know, our real problem is is we wish we were the vine. We don't want to be dependent on someone else. We don't want to be connected. We want to be independent. But a branch cannot be independent. It wasn't made. It wasn't designed. It doesn't work. And if the branch views the vine as competition, the branch loses every time Because it's not designed to be apart from the vine. Okay, but what does it really mean to abide? Why use that word? What are we even talking about here? Does the branch work at abiding? (coughs) I think we read things and we're like, we read this and we're like, Okay, cool. My job is to abide. What's that? I'm ready to go. I'm ready to put the effort into abiding. And Jesus really goes out of his way here to explain to abide is to be. You know, you abide in your home, right? Do you work at abiding? Do you walk into your house and go, I'm living here? Ah!" No, you simply go there and that's where you are. There's not like this Herculean effort to screw up the courage and the strength to abide. A branch abides in the vine because that's what it was made to do. What would take work would be to not abide. The energy that we put into avoiding abiding is really the point of what Jesus is pointing at here. Cease striving. Stop fighting the vine. And abide. That word abide in the Greek, meno, it just means to dwell, to remain, to tarry. I like that. It's just to tarry in the Lord. To live. Jesus says, tarry in me. Live in me. Dwell in me. The secret to spiritual growth is to dwell in me. In the book, we would see Jesus... Roy and Revel Hessian write, We are now in a position to consider the meaning of the word which the Lord Jesus uses to describe our part in this life. Said he, Abide in me and I in you. It has often been said the secret is in the abiding, but that is not so, for it makes the secret to reside in something we do. And this can only lead yet to another form of striving, to the striving to abide. The secret surely lies in the vine, and the blessing comes from our seeing him as such. And as we see him, before we know it, we are abiding. This is against that nature. It's against that striving. It's against that principle of entropy. Push, push, push. Fight, fight, fight. Move forward, never stop. And the second you stop, you're moving backwards. And Jesus is just saying, let go and trust in me. He's not suggesting that we would be lazy. He's suggesting that we would stop fighting against what is good. Cease to strive to be our own vine. And so this concept of being a branch then really is primarily about recognizing our helplessness. That we are not a vine. We are a branch And that doesn't mean that we don't have value. It doesn't mean that we're not incredibly important to God. It just means that we have a role to play, a place to play in God's plan. Something very specific that we're designed for. And that is to allow God to pour his life into us. That is what we are made for. And so clearly that starts with receiving Christ. The, question, the first question that everyone needs to wrestle with is, do I want to be a branch in this vine? We're actually given an option. We're told, are you wanting to come into God's family? Are you willing to accept that you need the vine? That apart from yourself, you will wither and die. Apart from God, you are disconnected from the source of life and you are broken and cannot function and cannot be, that you need God's love and forgiveness and mercy, are you willing to be grafted into the vine of God? We have to wrestle with that. Are we willing to accept that? Are we willing to admit that he is God and we are the creation? That what he says, what he believes, what he shares with us is supremely important. Are we willing to look to Him to understand the way that the universe really is, to understand and prioritize our lives? Are we willing to look to Him for understanding what right and wrong are? Or are we going to move forward blindly with our own notions, living as though we were God when we are not God? Being a branch means listening and sharing with God. That's the inner change. That's the inner play, right? Right? A branch receives from the vine. So a prayer life, a time of of just sitting down with God. You know, sometimes, a lot of times, we view this as such a burden. I have to sit down and I have to pray or something terrible is going to happen to me. And God's like, no, just let go. Just open. Open the door. Spend time receiving from me. I'm like, I don't have time to receive from you. I got things to do. And he's like, "Ooh, spend time receiving from me. Abiding is just to take in the nutrients of what it is that God has provided. Spending time here this morning, we are receiving, not through me, but through the power of God's word and the power of God's Holy Spirit. We are here to receive the wisdom and the mind of God. Because that is our food that helps us grow and helps us bear fruit. And hopefully we're not just doing it once a week on Sunday morning. But that we are regularly opening ourselves up to receive what God has to give us. Responding to God's leadership and his direction. And persevering through suffering as we are pruned. That's really what it is to be a branch. All of that amounts to the effect of all of that. calls fruit now that's another interesting question in and of itself what is spiritual fruit if a branch is supposed to bear fruit the point is for the branch to learn how to abide and the result of abiding the action of abiding is the production of spiritual fruit what is that well we can look to all kinds of scriptures to see that this means all kinds of things Paul wrote to the Romans in Romans 1 13, I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that often I had planned to come to you and have been prevented so far so that I may obtain some fruit among you also, even as among the rest of the Gentiles. I want to come there and I want to lead people to Christ. I want to help other people get grafted into the vine. He's saying that's fruit. Yet we also see the same author, Paul, right in Galatians 5, 22 and 23, that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against these things there is no law. So fruit, spiritual fruit, is also character growth. It's coming to understand how God is and how he wants to make us more loving people and let Ourselves go through the process of letting go of our pride, letting go of our impatience, and growing in our character to be more like him. Romans 15, 28 says, therefore, when I have finished this and have put my seal on this fruit of theirs, I will go on by way of you to Spain. And what he's talking about is a financial gift from the church that people have been giving to help uh, meet the needs of other people in the church who are in the midst of a famine. And he calls the giving of those people, the money that they have given, he calls that fruit. Helping one another, being generous, is fruit of abiding. Hebrews 13, 15 says, Through him then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is the fruit of the lips that give thanks to his name. Worship and thankfulness toward God is fruit of abiding. Becoming someone who's grateful and connected and appreciative, how could you not, as a branch, become appreciative of the vine as you understand more and more that the vine is there to provide everything you need? Colossians 1.10 says, so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Serving others is fruit. So we don't go out and say, well, I think I need to bear some fruit today, so I'm going to serve others and therefore fruit will be born. He's saying that's actually, that's not gonna work out. What we need to do is daily abide in him. And the result of that will be all of this kind of fruit. If you are connected with the Lord, then all of this other stuff will take care of itself. If you're receiving from him what he has for you, if you're not blocking him from moving in your life, the fruit will be produced. Our focus should be on the vine. Well, that sounds pretty good. That sounds like uh, something I can get behind. Um, I'm excited about that. That's good. But there are those other branches. We didn't talk about that, did we? It's like, oh, okay. The whole abiding thing sounds pretty cool. But some of those branches get cut off and burned in the fire. The one branch is a branch that bears fruit. It abides in him. It's not perfect. It needs pruning. We're not saying that you, know, you have to be perfect in order to be a fruit-bearing branch. There's that whole process of discipline, pruning, letting God move in your life and helping you grow and change and understand the things that are getting in the way and the distractions that are taking away from what you really need, which is Him. So all of us fruit-bearing branches are not perfect, and we have problems, and we have weird stalks growing out of the side, and God has to snip those away. But then there are those branches that are clipped off, dried out, and burned. And we sit here and we're saying, okay, I don't know what that is, but I don't want to be that. (laughs) And that's an interesting thing to look at in this passage. It's an important thing to look at. There's really two verses that stick out. One is verse 2 where he says, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes so that it would be more fruit. And you say, okay, what is this branch? He says that these branches are in me. And we're like, uh uh-oh. So is that like a Christian that's not bearing fruit? And he takes them away? That sounds sounds intimidating. I want to be with the other branches. I want to be taken away. And It turns out that it's really not that clear. If you get into the Greek on this, an alternate translation, because of the way that Greek works with the word order, word order isn't as important in Greek as it is in English. It has more to do with context. And another translation of this could be every branch that does not bear fruit in me. It's whether in me is modifying the verb or the noun that's curious in this case. And Greek scholars agree you can interpret it either way. And so as they translate it into English, they translate it as a branch in me that does not bear fruit, which sounds like that would be a Christian. But it could be translated a branch that does not bear fruit in me, which could be anyone. It's confusing. Another confusing thing an important thing is what is takeaway? Take away. Look at that and we're say, okay, I want to know more about what being taken away means. And that word actually is usually translated as lifted up. And so you can get into your commentaries and you can read, you know, what people say about this and they're like, oh, in the ancient world, you know, a vine, you know, that had branches that were sick or broken, they would lift them up so that they would get more sun. And so he's just saying that these vines, these branches would be encouraged and Uh, healed, so that they would then begin to bear fruit, which paints a very different picture than the sort of nebulous being taken away. This, though, is less scary than verse 6. Verse 6 says, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up and they gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned and you would say well does, is the branch in verse two the same as in verse six it's it's a little confusing it's not clear he's saying these branches don't abide in him at all so is this hell is that what we're seeing here it's not clear I'll tell you what is clear. What is clear is it's not hell if they're believers. That much we know. How do we know that? Because of all the scripture that tells us that God does not want those who are in him to live in fear of judgment. The other question we could ask here, and it's also not clear, whether the fire that's being talked about is hell at all. We read fire and we're like, hell, hell. Right? But this is also just the practice of what vine dressers do with vines that don't bear fruit. So it's, it's an issue of, is the, is the allegory here telling us a warning about something, a threat of somehow, or is it just playing out the vision of a vine dresser and what happens with vines? Now, that's not to say that God doesn't judge. He certainly does. And the Bible clearly says there is a, such a thing as hell. The question is not whether it's possible or impossible. The question is, is what does this mean in this context, in this situation? Because it seems important. Well, there's an opportunity here to talk about three key principles and interpretation that are very helpful, I think, in our understanding of this passage. One is to interpret the unclear in light of the clear. Okay, we have to take what we know that is very obvious and repeatedly stated in the passage that we're reading and all over Scripture and say it can't contradict what we already know and what is already clear. So our... Is this a threat that if you're a believer and you don't bear fruit, that God's going to cut you off and burn you up in hell? Romans 8.1, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. John 10, same book, same author, and same speaker, Jesus. John 10.27.28, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me and I give eternal life to them and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Again, same author, same book, John six thirty seven. all that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one that comes to me I certainly will not cast out. So when you have the clarity of God accepting those who come to him, we have to interpret the unclear of this passage in light of the clear. Again, we could look here. What's clear about this passage, what's unclear? What's clear is you can't outsend God's grace. That God isn't like working with you, and he's like, hey, you're pretty cool. I like the cut of your jib. And he's like looking at you, and he's like, oh, I like, you're growing, you're doing, whoa, whoa, what are you doing? Oh, it's gross. I didn't know you were gonna do that. I'm sorry, but I can't hang with you anymore. But an all-knowing, all-powerful God does not he's not surprised by our sin and that if we have received christ if we have come to him then we are accepted because all of those sins have been paid for what's unclear is bad branches may or may not be believers it's hard to tell because of the way this is worded and the way that this is put together What's clear is Christians are not to live in fear of judgment. Perfect love casts out fear. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Jesus' point is not to say, who's he talking to here? He's talking to his disciples. He's already told his disciples that he's going to prepare a place for them in heaven. They're in. And so to sit down and and threaten them, hey guys, I'm on my way out, and if you don't bear fruit, you are gonna burn, makes zero sense. It's not in the character and the nature of God, it's not in the context of what we're talking about, and it's not true of the way that Jesus relates to the disciples. What's unclear is what taken away or lifted up is referring to. That's not clear. What's clear is that fruit means a lot of different things. It means character, it means service, it means love, it means giving. It it means a lot of different things. It's not just one thing that's fruit. It's like the, the fruit of abiding in the vine brings forth all kinds of different change and growth in our lives. What's unclear in this passage is if burning is hell contrary to popular belief every time the bible says fire it's not talking about hell it's not clear so we have to look at what's clear and whatever interpretation we come away with in this passage we have to interpret through the light of what we know another key principle here is context What's the context for Jesus saying this? Is Jesus preparing them to carry on the work? Is he getting ready to leave and encouraging them on how to keep the mission going? Or is he trying to warn his disciples, guys, I'm leaving, and if you misbehave while I'm gone, it's not going to go well for you. Context is very important in interpretation. He's encouraging them. He's lifting them up, not trying to scare them into being good boys while he's gone. The third principle here is that literary format matters. And what I mean is you have to think about what you're looking at here. We're looking at a gospel, a biography, a firsthand, an eyewitness account of Jesus' life. And as Jesus is speaking here with the vine and the branches, he is using an allegory. It's a picture to teach a principle. But not every necessarily every picture in the story is intended to have meaning. And so you have to be very careful not to pull more out of the allegory than the author intends, especially what's, when it's unclear. Now, I don't mean to suggest at all that there's nothing clear in this passage. What I mean to suggest is, is let's be courageous let's be confident let's be sure that his desire here is not to threaten his disciples or us but to encourage us to abide isn't that what's clear from this passage that Jesus wants us to abide and that abiding in him is the way forward into spiritual growth Well, you might be like, okay, yeah, I think that is the main point, but isn't there, I mean, why go into the whole thing with cutting away the branches and burning them if there's no point, if there's no desire, if there's no warning here, why even include that part? It seems like Jesus wanted to warn us about something. Well, I think there is a warning here. Don't be a branch that doesn't bear fruit. That's bad. You're like, how bad? I'm like, not clear, but it's clear that it's bad. It's bad. And I think that's the extent of what Jesus intends to communicate here is be a branch that abides, not a branch that doesn't. And the focus and the emphasis is on the abiding of the branches, not on explaining what happens to branches that don't bear fruit. The point of the allegory is to allow yourself to be grafted into the vine, receive the good things that God has for you. And as you receive what God has given, the nutrients that come up from the vine, realize that the more that you receive, the more will spill out into the lives of the people around you and have an effect on them for the good. That the fruit that's being discussed here is the result of your receiving. And that that fruit is not branches don't eat fruit. Branches give fruit. And so the idea here is don't be complacent about receiving from God. Don't live your life day in and day out with the idea that I'll get to it eventually. I'll find some time. I'll catch up with you later, Lord. Make that abiding the priority. And I'm not just talking about a devotional life. I'm talking about all through your day. Are you abiding not just for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 30 minutes, or an hour in the morning, but are you moving forward in your life connected to the vine and aware of that connection? Bringing God into all aspects and all circumstances in your life. Praying throughout the day, listening throughout the day, and seeking just to be more open to whatever whatever God has to bring. Well, I still think it's scary. And, you know, it's hard to read this passage without being like, well, how do I know if I'm bearing fruit or not? Aren't we just geared that way? We read this and we're like, it's bad to be a branch that doesn't bear fruit. And we're like, well, let's do a little self-inspection here. Become a fruit inspector. And let's look, you know... And, you know, because why do we do that? Part of that is for so, many, for so many of us, we're geared to be motivated by fear. We're looking for something scary and the false belief that it will make us do something. But that's not what makes us do spiritual things. What makes us do spiritual things is being connected to the vine. Not the fear of not being connected enough. Warren Wiersbe wrote, the word results is often heard in conversations among Christian workers, but this is not actually a Bible concept. A machine can produce results and so can a robot, but it takes a living organism to produce fruit. It takes time and cultivation to produce fruit. A good crop does not come overnight. We must remember that the branches do not eat the fruit. Others do. We are not producing fruit to please ourselves, but to serve others. It's important that we keep that in context. So if you're sitting there and you're like, am I like a fake branch or am I like an unfruit-bearing branch? Here's the thing. You know, you, better than anyone else, you know whether or not you are in Christ. Because if you want to be in Christ and you understand that being in Christ means opening the door of your heart and admitting that you need his help, his forgiveness for your sins, then you are in Christ. And you know whether or not you want that or not. You know whether or not you've done that or not. None of us know like you know. And so we're not supposed to sit around and wonder, am I a Christian or am I not a Christian? Am I bearing enough fruit or what does it mean? What if I'm fooling myself? You know, because if you want to be in, you are in. And wanting to be in does not mean that you're going to be perfect. It just means that you recognize your need. I think another thing is it's a good sign if you're sitting there and you're thinking, oh, well, I wonder if I'm bearing as much fruit as I am. That's a good sign that you're in. Because non-branches don't care. They don't think about things like, am I bearing fruit or not? And we should take comfort from the fact that there is a part of us that just does. What we eagerly want to do, actually, is what we're designed for, which is bear fruit. We very much want to do that. We just also very much get in the way of our own ability to do that. I think it's also a practical thing that we can take away from here is that it's important to monitor self-burnout. That, you know, as, as we think about this and we want to do all these things, when it starts to feel very cumbersome and very burdensome and we start to be like, you know, snippy with people, it's, I don't know about you, but for me, I get real like moody and grumpy and just feel like, you know, everybody wants a piece of me and can I do anything just five minutes to myself? You know, when that comes out of my mouth, I know I'm doing a very poor job of abiding, because I'm trying to do all these things that are fruit, and yet I don't have the energy or the resources to do them, which means I'm doing them on my own, which means they're not of great value to anyone. When you're feeling like people in God and ministry and prayer and time in the Word, when you're feeling like that is a burden. We need to look at how we're relating to the vine and how our thinking is going about that. Wiersbe, again, says many of the things could be counterfeited by the flesh. He's talking about fruit. But the deception would eventually be detected for real spiritual fruit has in it seeds for more fruit. Man-made results are dead and cannot reproduce themselves, but spirit-produced fruit will go on reproducing from one life to another. There will be fruit, more fruit, and much fruit. And so much of what we do will wind up not having any seeds in it because it was done in the flesh. But whatever we do as a result of abiding in the vine will carry on to generation to generation to generation because God's fruit accomplishes the purpose of God. The Word of God accomplishes the purposes of God. And when we align ourselves with Him, we do something that has an impact in eternity. It's not a flash in the pan, and it's not something that necessarily happens overnight, but it is something that lasts. Jesus closes this little section in John 9. Just as the Father has loved me, I also love you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full or complete. This is the point. The point here is abiding isn't a burden. Abiding is the source. It's the key. It's the cause of joy. You were designed as a branch and so you should be at home nowhere more and comfortable nowhere more and full nowhere more than when you're abiding in the vine. I think we view abiding as an effort because we are in competition with the vine. But it's letting go and realizing the opportunity, realizing the reality of our position, that we were made to abide. And the whole entropy of this world, you know, brings us low. We get worn down. We are, you know, being ground down to a nub by the entropy of this world. But from a spiritual standpoint, the older we get, the more decrepit we get, the more broken our bodies are, the more we are also able to do more and more fruit bearing. This isn't connected to that. If we are connected to the Lord, then as we grow and as we change... We become more and more understanding of how to receive from Him. Our spiritual lives become more and more fruitful in all kinds of different ways. We may take steps away from God, we do take steps away. In fact, there's a slow leak that happens when you're not paying attention to what's going on, where you can start to move away and you just abide less and less and less. And we do this usually not in one grandiose gesture, but many little decisions over a long period of time. And we take many steps away from God. But the great thing is, is that it's only one step back to God. God, I've been far from you. I repent. How could I I've just woken up and realized that I have been stepping away from you and I have becoming, been reverting back to this person that I don't want to be. I want to be back with you. That's the one step back where God is always there to receive us and accept us. Chuck Smith, in his book, How Grace Ch- Changes Everything, I'll close with this. He wrote, Have you ever considered the vast difference between works and fruit? Works suggests a factory complete with pressures and deadlines and a constant need to produce. But fruit pictures a peaceful, tranquil garden, a place where we are inclined to stay and drink in the beauty while we enjoy each other's company. It's important to realize that God doesn't come to his factory looking for products, he comes to his garden to enjoy its fruit. The gospel of grace invites us to leave behind the smog and the pressure of a factory-like life of works and instead bear the fruit that God desires to see in the garden of our lives. There you have John 15. Yeah, we are all grateful, God, that you are this way. If you were like us, it would be some kind of work and earn and uh, and just wear yourself to the bone with no joy. But you love us and you love relationship and you have set this up in this in this way because of the greatness of who you are. And we miss out on so much of that. We 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 temper what we receive down to so little because we are so prideful and you just want to give and we are reluctant to receive but we repent of that we ask god that you would help us to open ourselves more and more to receive the good things that you want to give and that we could experience the joy of watching that bear fruit All around us, knowing that that fruit comes from you, not from us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This study was recorded at Zenos Christian Fellowship and is copyrighted. You may freely copy and distribute it as long as you keep it intact and do not sell it.